0: Life's but a song, so you can sing along with my special guest star two or two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Song, yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is a special returning guest i made him watch walking on sunshine it's Caden marshall
1: everyone (laughs) the torture of making me watch walking on sunshine i really enjoyed it did you see that i posted a video where i was like y'all literally give this a chance i promise it's good
0: (laughs) we're gonna make it a stage version you and i we're going to
1: would be so down to do that
0: yeah i think it could translate well uh but i don't think this one could translate into live action very well and what we're here to today to talk about the 2020 animated movie over the moon mm-hmm. um screenplay by audrey wells music and lyrics by chris christopher curtis marjorie duffield and helen park uh directed by glenn keen and john cars I'm going with that name. It's weird. <laughs> and according to IMDb, in this animated musical, a girl builds a rocket ship and blasts off, hoping to meet a mythical moon goddess. Mm. So, like, much in the vein of, like, a, uh, like, The Wizard of Oz or some sort of... This is like a hero's journey movie. Into a
1: mysterious land that, that you've never seen before with creatures you've never seen before and...
0: And you're left wondering, did it happen?
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think this one was definitely more like, yeah, this actually did happen. Um, At least in the way that they told it. Whereas Wizard of Oz is very like, "Hmm, maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. You'll never, never know.
0: How did you? Now, this is one that you picked. How -hmm. did you come across it?
1: Well, so two of my siblings are adopted from China so my family my mom particularly just like in the loop have lots of friends who are like asian american adoptees they like go to this like chinese family camp uh every year multiple times a year sometimes i think it happens multiple times a year i've only been able to attend that like one time because i'm always working and very busy but when this movie was announced it was a big deal because they were like, hey, we're gonna get this Asian representation right And you know why because we're working with it's Netflix and Pearl Studios. Pearl Studios is located in Shanghai and there's like actual Chinese people working on this trying to tell a story that caters to Asian Americans to adoptees to actual Chinese people um, in terms of like getting, this representation right getting the culture right the symbolism the family dynamics like like this is not Mulan this is not the live action Mulan we're gonna (laughs) give you something that you can actually feel represented by um and so right when it came out we were like we gotta watch it we had a great time um it I wouldn't really say that this movie is quite at the level of things like Pixar but it really makes me very happy that it exists and I wanted to give it a little bit more attention um, with your lovely platform.
0: Oh yeah. And it's, I was watching it and I was just like, and it made me want to look more into Chunga. I haven't yet, mm-hmm. but I want, I would like to, cause like I got that, that a lot of it seemed like it was from mythology or fables or something. Uh, but I feel like this specific story is a little, more universal because it's like about her.
1: I have a little synopsis if you want me to. Oh yes, now. you wrote your own synopsis again. I'd l- not I would not it. exactly. This one's more pulled. This is just one that I really liked, but I'll expound upon a few little things. Um, I I like to compare this to Coco. It's like the Chinese Coco. Um, See,
0: I saw this more as Moana. Oh. We can get into it, but what's your synopsis?
1: Yes, so Over the Moon follows twelve-year-old Fei Fei during the Mid Autumn Festival, which is a festival, um, a, like celebrating the legend of the goddess Chang'e. As she struggles to cope with the loss of her mother, when her father r- reveals his plans to remarry, Fei Fei embarks on a mission to prove that love never fades away. Using makeshift parts from Alibaba and the power of electromagnetic force, the young engineer soon manages to build her own rocket to the moon. Once there, she meets the legendary moon g- moon goddess Chang'e, uh, who has created an entire moon based society called Lunaria. Fei Fei soon sets on off on another quest to find the mysterious gift that Chang'e seems to think she has, or return to home to Earth without any proof of the goddess's existence.
0: More so, what I was saying that what was universal is like replacing a parent in mm. a way, yeah, and that's what she sees. Or how I felt that she felt.
1: <laughs> yeah, the this threat of, like, my mom died and my dad's replacing my mom with this stranger and with this, like, would-be new stepbrother that I don't like. Um, and that whole, like, divorce story, family dynamics, like, threat to your safety and well-being as a child even though it's not something we've all gone through we all know people who've gone through it so there's the familiarity of this family narrative paired with the non-familiarity for white people or like non-asian people people who don't know about these cultural traditions of this whole story that we've never heard before
0: and what i i liked though is that it is kind of a trope about a child trying to like not forget the death of a parent most likely a mother. And that's mm-hmm. what it seems to usually be, but I liked how they did it for this movie where, man, I'm so happy. I watched this now and not in 2020 after everything happened. Cause I, with the world shutting down uh, and the pandemic and, you know, slight depression had kicked in for me and mm-hmm. that, that ending part where they're in the void. Oh yeah. Yeah. That part, that's, that's where, they kind of twisted it to be more um, that both Changa and fei, fei help each other out with therapy
1: <laughs> with uh, moving on, moving uh, on from there. what was it called? The chamber of exquisite sadness.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, thank God I'm watching this now when I'm not
1: <laughs> in the throes of pandemic
0: depression and all that. Which is when it came out. Yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> Which is so important that it did because there was so much AAPI like hate Um, that it was even more valuable like for us to see this as a family in the midst of a time where like my siblings felt threatened and unwanted. And, you know, like some positive representation telling a story that has nothing to do with the pandemic. Um, It was it's a good escape.
0: I was reading this script was written in 2018 by Audrey Wells, who passed away before the movie came out and everything. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's dedicated to her at the end. But like, yeah, I mean, even if this came out now or before the pandemic, it's, it's still kind of a heavy ending, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I really, I really, I really did like this movie. <laughs> Wasn't it cute? It oh, was tell so me about your cute. reaction. So, like I said, I thought this was more like Moana where there really isn't a villain for this story. Mm-hmm. Cuz usually there's the hero's journey and then there's some there's there's uh tension where um you know, she is looking for this thing that she doesn't know. She doesn't know what she's looking for and then uh, when she finds it, she's helping who is coming off as the villain, but really they're damaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, Changa is damaged in her own way, and so I read it more as like the ending when Taka turns into tafiti in Moana.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I it, like that comparison.
0: That's where, and I was reading that. Um. Uh crap. Glenn Keen, one of the directors, worked for Disney. And so I was just like, oh, I see a lot of this Disney-esque influence. Um, I, I did write during the song Mooncakes. I was like, of course the mom dies. I guess that's why it isn't a Disney movie, because she's dying in the movie, not already.
1: <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> I, I was always just like, yeah, it's just like a Disney movie because the mom dies. But you're right. It's like it's not like that's what happened off screen you know she's like she you see her becoming weaker and dying and it's like really heartbreaking it is and
0: and that's i i really appreciate that though because like Mm. you don't see that in a lot of and a lot of uh kids movies really yeah and, like, every question I wrote down, like, ten minutes later, it was answered. Because I was just like, mm. oh, did, did Fei-Fei have a rabbit to be parallel to Chang'a? Yes. Yes, it
1: was. <laughs> yes.
0: That that was weird. Okay. Bungie. Fei-Fei's rabbit. Mm-hmm. I don't understand Bungie as a character. <laughs> really? I felt like Bungie always knew more. And, like, we were going to find out that Bungie was... Like, obviously, we find out later, Bungie and Jade, Chunga's rabbit, are in a relationship
1: at the end? Having a little romance. Yeah. But like, prior
0: to that, the way that they animated Bungie, I just didn't, I was like, is there more? Is Bungie going to talk? Is it hmm. is it going to turn out that Bungie is actually like a moon spirit or something? Like- See,
1: for me, I I loved. I thought it made perfect sense the way that they animated Bungie because it was telling the audience how they were supposed to feel and how and how Fei Fei felt like internally about specific situations, like when Fei Fei first met Chin, her like soon to be step brother. Bungie is the one with, like, the really intense, like, this is awkward, he's being weird sort of facial expression. <laughs> and I, I love the comedy of Bungie's, like, little moments for, like, facial reactions. It's, I I really appreciated it. I also found an article um, that explained what each animal in the movie represents. Oh, um, I wasn't like super convinced about the explanation of the frog, but I liked what they said about the rabbits and the crane. So um, rabbits can symbolize regeneration, which is likely why Fei-Fei's mom gave her bungee when she was about to die. That's also why Fei-Fei leaves bungee behind, symbolizing her letting her mother go. Um, And I was like, ooh, and then uh, the cranes. There's two moments in the movie where uh, uh, Feifei is, like, sort of greeted by a crane, and it doesn't really clearly tie into something. It just feels very symbolic, and it's something that, you know, the audience is supposed to read into and sort of glean symbolism from. The crane represents her mother because of an experience that Audrey's daughter had on a ferry after her mom died. Uh, She was visited by a crane when she was... um, like looking over the water or something. And cranes also represent wisdom and immortality, which is why the crane uh, shows up when Fei-Fei is inspired to both build a rocket and then at the end when she's visited by the presence of her mom through the crane. So apparently, like when Audrey's daughter, like after her mom died, Audrey's daughter was on this ferry and the crane like came by her in the exact same way and then like flew over her head in the same way. And they decided to add that in. Um, as an extra little like your mother is still with you and so is feifei's see and for the movie
0: i read it as changa oh really yeah Mm. i thought it was like hey girl we did it (laughs) we're we're still in each other's lives
1: hey girl i got you
0: so when feifei goes to the moon changa uh decrees for anybody that if they find the gift quote-unquote not being specific as to what the gift is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you find the gift, you get a wish. And so Feifei doesn't really use that reward. I think, right? Did I miss something?
1: Um, wh- well, she gives the photo. The photo was the reward,
0: right? But like, oh, so the the wish was for everybody else, but the photo is only for Feifei.
1: Chang'e made the assumption that Fei-Fei's wish was to get the photo. Got and it. And so it was like, clearly this is your heart's desire. So yeah, if you get it, you get your heart's desire. If somebody else get it, gets it, they get their heart's desire. That's sort of what I got from it. And
0: I like how at the end, when they're reentering Earth, <laughs> I get to say sentences like that for this movie. It's great. <laughs> um, the photo burns and it just turns into stars. Yeah. I was like, okay, I could see that as part of some myth somewhere.
1: It kept Changa's, like the whole experience with Changa, still legend. You know, mm-hmm.
0: and this is one of the first. Uh, another fun fact is that this is one of the f- first movies. Well, it- it's not the first. It's a film that uniquely credits a costume designer for an animated movie. Did you see that at the end? No. So, Chunga's outfits were designed by hook couture designer Gao Pei. I, I saw that. Think, I, I hope I'm saying this person's I didn't
1: Gao know right. that that was like a new, like, something that people didn't do?
0: Not really, because I feel like it's part of the character design.
1: Oh. That's how
0: I always feel with with these movies. Like, if you don't see a costume designer listed, it's like, the animators created the costume or, Mm. or like somebody may have made a sketch, but like the animators are the ones that have to replicate it. And the robes robes. Yeah. She has a couple of robes. Mm -hmm. The red one is the one that she wears the most, but
1: like gorgeous.
0: They're all gorgeous.
1: Literally Chang'e's costuming. I was like drooling over it the whole time. Every single outfit she wore, um, from her concert to the <laughs> to the ping pong game, I was like, this is sickening. Give it to me. I love it.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's the other thing, too, where, like I said earlier, she comes off as the villain, but she's not really because she's holding on to something and you don't obviously know it until she's in the chamber of sadness or whatever that's called. Eternal mm-hmm. chamber of sadness, or whatever. the
1: chamber of exquisite sadness. sadness I think. <laughs> Why <Wow. I want, laughs> depression. When she gets <laughs> when she gets depressed, <laughs> and she makes a universe for it,
0: and and you, it sucks all the energy and light out of uh, where she, I forgot the, her pretty.
1: whole city and all of her citizens.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I honestly thought at first that Gobi is that the name yeah. Gobi. Gobi uh Ken Jong's character who is a
1: space dog question mark He's a glow worm
0: a glow worm okay
1: uh, uh yeah <laughs> um we'll talk more about Gobi I have opinions go on
0: Well so I thought at first Gobi was going to have whatever the gift was Right. Cuz like even I was in the I was in the dark and I was like is it the other half of the necklace or is it so, like some sort of offering. Right. Cuz I, I a a lot of times in mythology when you go to the gods you're supposed to bring something. Mm-hmm. And this is across the board mythology, not just for Chinese uh gods and goddesses and all that. But cuz they glowed only Gobi's like stomach so i thought maybe he ate it and then we're he was going to like throw it (laughs) up i don't know i had a lot of thoughts but it was so i didn't really write a lot down for this movie because i was just in thoroughly Mm. enjoying it
1: they they did really fun world building
0: like the animation for um the stuff on the moon especially like when there was (laughs) The rover, the uh, moon rover, whatever. Oh yeah, I I was like, is that is that real? Like, did they do they did photorealism in this, and Mm. as well as like a a a glowing space worm and the the biker chicks,
1: (laughs) the biker chicks.
0: (laughs) Okay, this and this was cute because like I know in a lot of animated kids movies they try to do some sort of puns for the adults to get. Mm-hmm. But that was a good one. He's I was
1: good.
0: not. I yeah. What did you? You had a lot to talk about for Gobi. You said
1: I do. Um. But that's that's Gobi is one of my flats. Okay. Yeah. And I think we can talk a little bit more about him when we get into those sharps and flats. Uh, I just. I I think that, like he was supposed to be donkey, uh. But they didn't really succeed at that.
0: Or was he supposed to be oh crap, what's the dog's name and up Doug? yeah, were they going for that
1: i I think both Donkey and Doug fit that same niche of that like uh goofy, annoying animal sidekick, but I don't think that Goby was written well enough to succeed at being as lovable as, as Doug and Donkey. I did bad.
0: I did have a thought while watching this movie, and I want to hear your opinion on it, so i because the uh Fei's mom isn't really in that much of the movie i had a thought of like what if instead of having two voice actors they had one voice actor play both parts so this way like for us the audience both the
1: mom and doug I no mean, no the mom Kobe? the mom
0: and changa sorry oh
1: that'd be <laughs> cool
0: i mean we have philippa sue playing changa which great fantastic
1: Uh, Yeah, we should have opened with that like hey everybody welcome to the podcast (laughs) philippa sue is in this movie as a goddess (laughs) as a goddess which she already is so typecasting
0: and and like no uh no shade to ruthie Ann miles who plays the mother either but i just thought it would be an interesting concept
1: Mm.
0: kind of a la like um again, like The Wizard of Oz, where it's like the friends are, are are in the in Kansas. So like if the mom's voice was Chunga, but like yeah, yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. the actor was doing something a little different, you mm-hmm. know? I don't know. I, it was just a thought. It, it, it's not a sharp or, it's not like a flat for me or anything like that. I just wanted to-
1: It would have been cool to play around it? with that. And I think that they probably could have added- some extra layers to the movie and to the story. If they had done more things to be like, this is the equivalent of that person on earth here in Lunaria. Like, like to have to make more things that show parallels between uh, the people in Fei-Fei's life and the people that she meets in Lunaria, like Wizard of Oz. Maybe that would have been a little bit not original, but like, I would have liked to see those layers. I agree with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like have uh, somebody be her family because you have the the grandpa saying like what comes off as parables about the crab, <laughs> and you're like, okay, clearly you are saying in a metaphor what Fei Fei is feeling about about uh, um, Mrs. Zhang, which that was interesting too. That he introduced her as Mrs zhang
1: oh he did i thought i had just messed up and said mrs
0: no he he did
1: hmm. i wonder that if that might a be a cultural thing
0: i was about to say that might be a cultural thing but like at first i was like oh is 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 he a homewrecker
1: <laughs> i mean lord knows i've been there um no. <laughs> i wouldn't blame him um uh i i wrote that down as one of my like favorite things it wasn't a sharp but i was just like i love how the grandpa's like second muttering about hairy crabs uh reflects how Fei is feeling about chin's mom like invades local waters damaging fishnets hurting native species and then the like third time that he says something i forget what he says but it's like more positive and i'm like yes you're warming up to her we love you Fei. <laughs> um there were also i like i was trying to take notes of like Oh, these are these are culturally significant things that I recognize. Obviously, I am no expert on these topics. I have Chinese siblings, but I (laughs) am not a Chinese cultural scholar or anything. Um, but like when they take, there's like a moment where they take a picture and they like pin it onto um a cork board and they say "cheese." That's eggplant in Chinese. It's the way that they say cheese. That's so
0: interesting.
1: Yeah, they say cheese, um, and you know it puts into perspective how weird it is that we say cheese, but before we take a picture. Like right. I'm sure Chinese people learn that, and they're like, "Why the heck do Americans say cheese before they take a picture?" It's just that it's that e, it's that it's that it gets you the smile to give you the smile. Um, the extended family dinner is just full of Chinese family culture and tropes. Um. I have
0: to say, though, there is there is one thing at the end of the movie that made me question if this was a real adventure that they went on. Oh. And that is that the flying dogs? Yeah. Ooh, what are, what are, are they dogs? They're they dogs. were lions. Lions. The flying lions are also the statues on the bridge right by her house. Hmm. And so part of me was like, okay, so maybe that's what made it a dream? Is that the
1: I mean, those are like a very popular symbol. They're like sort of all over China. Um, I don't I didn't really tie them together as like, oh, that must be where it came from. But the biggest reason that I didn't really go, oh, it was all a dream or a hallucination or whatever, is because she bought all of that material to make a rocket ship. And like, Miss Zhang and her dad were seeing it happen and they were like why are you buying so much equipment <laughs> how they have the money to b- pay for that equipment is something that they uh smoothly skated over they they did not um give it's us the any exposition cakes. as to how she was able to afford that yeah just all the moon cakes they they're selling like hot like mooncakes,
0: like moon cake, which <laughs>
1: which you
0: never see her get money <laughs> when she's on the bicycle going around to people selling it. I was like, where's the... Oh, true! (laughs) I mean, that's probably... Well, no, they were very detailed with their animation and with what they were doing. Because, like, watching every little bit of the screen, you see things here and there. Like, they drop something and somebody picks it up. And you're like, that's weird that you animated that, but okay. Or... um like at the end when the, she's running around and her shoes are still on the, the pier or whatever, wherever she is. I was just like, th- this movie is so great. Cause like they paid attention, not just to the cultural. Well, yes. To the cultural aspects of uh, the story that they're telling, but also like things here and there, like if it was live action could happen.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, think that this movie is just dripping with like intentionality mm-hmm. um i again like i think some of the characters and like story moments could have used a little bit more time in the oven but like like one of the ways that i'm like this is so clearly made by chinese people is because each character's face is so distinct like every every character is distinctly chinese but they have very distinct facial features while like other animators white animators usually make chinese features look very homogenous because they don't have like a concept of like the different ways that people can and do look chinese and look very very different from each other um and i just really appreciated that like the the ages and the the ways that the children interacted with their like family members their grandparents their aunts and uncles like it all garnered a whole lot of praise i remember something reading something about how the critics who um panned the live action mulan because of its absolute disastrous attempts at um chinese representation loved this because of how well it did i wish i had like the names of those critics but i didn't write that down i
0: couldn't i if i'm looking at the cast list too and like sometimes the animators draw inspiration for the voice actor as well
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i feel like uh robert g chu who did who voiced chin he kind of looks like his character. Really? A little a little bit. I mean, he's got a very round face, uh, kind of chubby cheeks.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, he kind of does.
0: Uh, I'm looking at a picture of Chin and Chin has a very rounded face as well. But like, mm-hmm. they obviously somewhat Disney-fied it. <laughs> it's not a Disney movie, but they Disney-fied it, I guess. Right, yeah. Where they made it a little more, like, the ears are sticking out and a little more animated. And obviously mm-hmm. his smile takes up Majority of his face, so. Yeah. I think some of the characters, now looking at this cast list, kind of look like their voice actor. counterparts, yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh! It was nominated for an Oscar. It was? Yeah, for Best Animated Feature Film in 2021.
1: Oh my gosh, bless, I didn't realize. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that that got recognition. I... Oh, it's got a lot of
0: recognition now that I'm looking at it. Does it? Yeah, it won a gold list award for best animated feature. uh, But it was like nominated for a bunch of best animated feature awards.
1: Mm. Okay, good. I remember when we first watched it, we were like, I loved that. I love the representation of it. I think it's going to disappear into history. Well, because I don't
0: even remember remember hearing about this movie yeah
1: nobody i know has ever watched or heard about it
0: so i'm glad you introduced it to me i'm glad we got to talk about it a little bit more um is there anything else you'd like to talk about before oh we all get kinds of things my... great but
1: yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't really we, talk about the songs we didn't but that's because the songs are maybe my least favorite part of it i don't yeah
0: yeah i mean they're very special to the story mm-hmm uh, cause except for maybe ultra luminary, which is the pop the star best song. <laughs> I was like, of course you're a, however year old moon goddess. Of course you're going to be a pop star.
1: Like, yes. <laughs> okay. In relation to that, I wanted to bring up this article, uh, not a, a, a review. I read a scathing review of the movie and it made me so angry uh, because the reviewer entirely missed like the whole point. And it was clearly somebody who was determined to hate the movie before they even started watching it. But, like, there was this one part that made me especially angry. It was Chang'e, played by Philippa Soo, is supposed to be a deus ex machina, which is entirely the wrong use no. of that term anyway. She's, an, she's not that. She's supposed to subvert expectations of what a goddess is like. Instead, she's a pop diva, dazzling version of what Disney's childhood stars are made out to be, a little rebellious, well-dressed, entitled, and withering into feminized distress without the love of a man. Worse still is she's consumed in couture creations by Guo Pei, grooving in moves by Blackpink choreographer uh, Kyle uh, Hanagami. That
0: is actually it's as cool. If, I didn't
1: know that. That is super cool. And he's like talking about it like it's horrid. Um, it's as if one Asian pop culture can be interchanged with another. The iconoclasm of the myth meets the iconoclasm of pop stars. Netflix probably expected the children to buy the album to sing along. And I'm like... One, why are the couture designs by Guo Pei a problem? Um, They were amazing, and she's supposed to look good, and like, what? She's not deus ex machina, that's just like entirely not what that means. And this goddess in this movie is supposed to appeal to modern-day children. I don't think that there is something wrong with uh, making her a pop diva in an effort to like win over the attention of children who is your intended audience like i don't i don't understand why that is such a concern for this person and also yes she was hung up on a man and that doesn't always have to be a problem the issue with that narrative is that like we as a generation are trying to push away from is that it paints women as nothing without men. But this critic neglected to recognize that Chang'e was literally an empress and a goddess who created an entire universe on the dark side of the moon without a man. She was very powerful, complex, mm-hmm. main character. She wasn't a simple villain. Uh, and she ended up letting the man go in the end anyway. So where where's the problem? like this is lovely representation and lovely character design plus that's ancient chinese legend if she wasn't grieving the death of ho yi it would be offensive and, uh, and like the wrong representation of this whole story um there's a yearly festival dedicated to the legend that means it's a worthwhile story to reinvent in the first place
0: and like they were going for the parallel of her not letting go of Chungi, not letting go of her love, who has died clearly, yes. and Fei Fei, who it's not to say that she wants to let go of I, I, I either women that they should let go, but like
1: to grieve,
0: go grieve and keep going.
1: Yes, you know, like and it was keep- a parallel of. Feifei's loss of her mother, which again, the all of these main characters are women. These pivotal characters are complex and important women who do all of these things without men and... I love that. And also, in general, grief is grief over the love of your life, no matter their gender, is not a problem and is not a story that we need to throw out. Like, and feminine distress. He says, like, that she withered into feminized distress. Feminine distress is also not a problem. Women can be in distress in a feminine way. And, like, assuming that they are still written and represented in a way that is, like, depthful and, like, fruitful and all of that that's that doesn't have to be a problem it was just the fact that like this person was sort of pushing so hard into this feminism concept that it ended up becoming misogynistic again uh and i loved Pei's design and using modern music to appeal to children is again not a problem uh, rant over. It made me really upset.
0: <laughs> yeah, that person woke up and chose violence, it sounds like they,
1: they chose violence and I was like, this is a movie that needs our support.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, but yeah, uh to go back with the songs and everything, like, I mean, I can't hum a single tune, to be totally honest.
1: I can uh, hum Ultra Luminary, um but the rest of them were very forgettable. I kinda liked um what was it the ping pong match that hey boy was... yeah hey boy
0: yes but like also the lyrics for all of the songs they're just for this movie because they're talking about plot and characters it's not like i don't know why i go the distance it's all of a sudden stuck in my head from her. <laughs> but it's not like that where you can sing that outside of the property mm-hmm. like i i'm th- I'm like i can't i can't hear anybody sing this for an audition or or like a cabaret or something
1: yeah it also the music on earth there was a clear distinction between the music that happened in lunaria and the music that happened on earth and the music that happened on earth was the most non-distinct the most like it felt like it didn't well match the intensity of what was going on like she's building this rocket to the moon and she's singing this song rocket to the moon and she's like flipping all of these switches and turning it on and it's still a ballad and i'm like i need i need pop i need energy like this is supposed to be a really intense moment and i'm not feeling it
0: we get that with chunga with ultra luminary and hey boy they're the upbeat ones but it's like Okay, clearly something else is going on here, and you're not telling us the audience, because, I mean, that's got to be the whole climactic reveal, right? Of like, hey, hey, girl, you're hey depressed. Girl. Hey, girl, you're depressed. <laughs> I'm depressed. We're gonna be okay. <laughs> Did you find anything else that you wanna? Any other re- scathing reviews? i
1: mean that whole article had things that i could have made arguments about. who
0: wrote that put that put them on blast let's put them on blast
1: a rather critical review colon everything is symbols in over the moon written by shinjini day s-h-i-n-j-i-n-i-d-e-y some of the things that this writer did talk about in terms of like cultural representation i thought were fair but most of it didn't really talk about that it talked about like basically the things that i was reading about and i was like no you're it's called gacy gay a y s i is like the website
0: okay we put them on blast everybody
1: i mean don't send them hate but like not not a not a hot take that they gave
0: and that's the thing with these opinions that uh or sorry that that's the thing with these reviews is that they're just one person's opinion and like i know i've watched things and talked about them on these podcasts and like whatever happened that day affected me when i watched it and i hated Mm -hmm. it and then talking with somebody all of a sudden i'm like oh my god i like this now so gotta remember that sometimes these reviewers are just stating what they think and like their day could be affecting them. But that one sounded very violent. So.
1: Yeah. I was like, you chose violence. The only other thing that I had written down that I wanted to mention is that I never fully ended up on board with how proving Chang'e's existence would stop her dad's engagement. I understood that like Fei Fei thought that proof of Chang'e's existence was like, this is proof of eternal faithfulness. Like, this is the ideal. This is what you're supposed to be doing. But it wasn't clear to me why she thought that that argument would successfully compel her dad or that a photo with Chang'e would make him go, ah, I don't love Ms. Zhang anymore. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I also don't know how
0: old she's supposed to be. Fei Fei.
1: Um, 14? 12. 12-year-old Fei
0: I mean, 12 year olds may not have the brightest, most followed through thoughts and plans.
1: <laughs> I mean, my little sister is 12 and I feel like she wouldn't have been like, this is going to work, you know, <laughs> but my little sister is really smart. So,
0: oh, I mean, th- that's the That's the thing, too, with this movie. Feifei is a is basically a genius.
1: Yeah, Feifei built a rocket ship. So
0: <laughs> and she's the top of her class. They talk about that all the time. Um. So she has the highest scores and everything, grades. But I think this all this movie also shows that like emotion can, can overtake sort of overcome your that. Yeah. Now. So like, I guess not to give you a, a an a, well, my answer for this would be that maybe she thought because she holds Chonga to be like the ideal about love and everything. And she talks about it. And we see that when she argues with her aunties about mm. Changa, uh, Chunga story and everything. And she's like, no, no, that she loves him. She's loved him for, I forget however many years they say, or did, Do they actually mention how long it's supposed to be?
1: I think they've talked about Like she's been up there alone for this many thousands of years. Yeah.
0: So I guess they thought, Hey, this girl is just thinking that she's the epitome of love mm-hmm. and never to let go of your loved ones, e- e- even past death. I-, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a great movie. I would say everyone needs to watch this. I may watch it again. Right?
1: Like, yeah. Lovely
0: stuff. It a lov- it's a It was a lovely day to start my day <laughs> with this movie.
1: Um. Can I hold for a moment and ask if you identify as white? yes okay i wanted to put out like a disclaimer of like we are two white guys discussing a movie that does not represent our culture and we're probably gonna like we're probably talking about some of these things incorrectly and all of that and if you know better and you want to talk to us about it like we will get to the socials
0: at the end yeah (laughs)
1: yeah um but just like
0: yeah, I did have that thought too opening was up like, the doors
1: of like we are probably going to talk about some of this and do some of this wrong especially since this is happening um, without any like Asian American people Asian people in general like in our room so
0: I I I think this is a great movie for anybody really yes. I know the, tar- the target audience is probably children mm-hmm. or like yeah yeah the target audience is children but like everyone should watch this movie.
1: yeah it's it it feels to me very because you know it like it goes over mooncakes it goes over um like the, the, the myth. family dynamics and and the myth, like these are all things that like native Chinese people are going to know. It's not necessarily really made for them, but I think it's definitely made for Americans and people who are less familiar with it and for like Chinese Americans who want to feel connected to their culture and want to feel represented in a movie. Um, that's not to say that people who are actually Chinese didn't enjoy this or wouldn't have or anything like that who like live in China and like – work out there and everything like definitely for them in many ways as well but like the people who benefit most from this are people who are looking for the representation and the people who need to be educated
0: and like i don't mm, okay do you think i you said that the songs were hindrance do you think though that like they should cut all of them or should we keep in changa's songs I think, I think I want Chungo's songs to at least stay.
1: Yeah, I think, because isn't, wasn't the composer a white guy?
0: There were three names, Christopher Curtis, Marjorie Duffield, and Helen Park.
1: Oh, okay, so a mix. That's good. I think, like a lot of other things, the songs needed more time in the oven. I don't, I like that it was a musical. I think that Hey Boy and Ultra Luminary justified the song's presence in The movie as a whole like the the presence of music in the movie if those two songs hadn't have hit i probably would have said just make this a regular animated movie it didn't need to be a musical um but
0: sorry i'm looking up these people they don't really have a lot of film credits
1: it seems like i the main writer is the christopher dude what's his name again Christopher Curtis. I remember I looked him up and I was like, "Oh, he wrote that too." Well, that that kind of explains.
0: Oh, it. Helen Park, one of the writers, wrote K-pop,
1: the what musical? Oh, that's so cool! Uh, oh, I love that.
0: Park's work include K-pop, her off-Broadway musical debut for which she wrote music and lyrics, music produced and orchestrated, and she's also in. Tick tick boom! As one of the aspiring composer and lyricists,
1: when mm. he gets
0: in that classroom, so that's pretty interesting. That's that's so cool.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. I I can't. That's what it was. I he wrote music for Chaplin the musical, oh. which didn't have the best music in my opinion either. Yeah, um, she... he also worked on Abominable.
0: Okay. Um, I'm trying to look up Marjorie Duffield. As a writer, her play Ice Island, the Wait for Shackleton.
1: The Ernest Shackleton something.
0: She's the Arts and Education Program at the Metropolitan Opera Guild and Women's Project as well. So I, I can see the yeah. them working together.
1: Great. Well, I all, love to see that. I, re- I only looked into Curtis, which is my bad.
0: And all three of them are credited for the songs. Like okay. it's not like he wrote two sh- the, the and Marjorie wrote like one. No, it's the, all three of them wrote all the songs okay, together. Cool. Well, then I don't know. Yeah, to I just what think
1: capacity. He needed more work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get into sharp and flat, shall we?
1: Woo! Sharp
0: flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. Like I said, I just started, I just stopped writing and started watching. So I didn't really like come up with that many things for either category. Um, what do you want to start with? Do you want to end on I, a high note? I
1: love things in threes. I think we should end on a high note. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I have, I have three sharps and three flats.
0: Great. Start with your... Uh, So, my one and only flat is, like, Chin's annoying side. Hmm. I feel like we can retire this trope for a little bit. The annoying younger brother.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: I know he's also not biologically her brother, but, like, he gets very attached very
1: fast. Yes, very quickly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that's the other... Oh, Oh, here's another flat that I didn't write down the fact that they just surprised Fei-Fei with all, with all of this change at once. It's not Mm -hmm. like, cause it seems like Chin had some time to marinate about having a a new dad and as new sister and everything. But for Fei-Fei, I get it. She's 12, little older. One might think she might be a little more mature to uh, come to terms with all of this, but I'm just like, no, you need to talk to her. I get it. It's also a movie, but like you need to talk to her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't very well handled for Fei-Fei. Um, There's also the factor of like Chin's loss of his dad was probably a very different circumstance um, and something that he was able to move on from more easily than
0: they don't even uh, talk about it.
1: They don't. But just in terms of him not really having a traumatic response to the idea of having a new dad tells me some about like, maybe it's been plenty of time. Maybe he never knew his dad. Maybe it was a divorce. It probably wasn't a recent death. Um, I kind of like the younger brother thing. I want to hear a little bit more about what doesn't work for you about that.
0: the anno- The annoying younger brother trope. Yeah. Okay, so I also have a thing with kids in movies.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I feel like in some kid-based movies, I that I find them a little annoying and irritating. That's just a thing I'm learning i'm learning to deal with except matilda except for movies like matilda where they're acting like kids but like you could see that they're doing more Mm. and like it's there we're focused more on them but like for this one we're focused on Fei, -Fei, and Fei -Fei sees him as chin as annoying and he's got some of like when he chases her around the house in his entrance or I'm so glad that him running through walls paid off. Uh yes. Cause I was just like, what is this? When he first <laughs> does it. Uh, like I mean, and that's and that's the thing with his character too. All the stuff that he does that we think are annoying happen later.
1: End up being like to the Leap benefit frog. of the story. Yeah.
0: And what did she say? What else does she say? He makes annoying faces. Um, and other other little things like that and Gobi's just like, but we did all the stuff that you just complained about I mean, yes we needed to follow her on this journey to be like, change is scary
1: but it ended up making Chin a little bit underwritten
0: Mm mhm yeah, Yeah. I
1: see that yeah, what about you, what are your flats? flat (laughs) I love your little sounds with that um (laughs) uh we talked about the composition specifically on earth is what I wrote about because I didn't think that the composition in Lunaria was enough of like it didn't take me out of it enough for me to be like that's a flat like I was like that some of those needs improvement but like the composition on earth I was like this is not working the only song that I can remember is magic in these mooncakes but even that wasn't a very memorable like melody um It didn't feel very invigorated or as character-driven. It was just, like, forgettable. (laughs) And then my next flat was that I thought that writing could have used some time in the oven as well. Like, the songs needed more work, but, like, everything about each character was said rather than shown, which is a big reason why I enjoyed Bungie. Bungie was somebody that we only learned about through facial expressions. The characters don't really talk much about Bungie, but like the only wordless scene in the whole thing is between Bungie and Jade. And it was really lovely told. Like I loved the way that they interacted with each other. And I think that there could have been more moments where people's characteristics are shown and we're just allowed to create opinions rather than having all of the characters be like, and she's i don't like her and he's annoying and i love her so much you know like it felt very explicit and i wanted more like subtext more like different choices for communication Um, but the script writer died during the making of this movie so i kind of feel like i almost can't include that as a flat in some ways because like yes there were more writers but like the screenplay was written by somebody who ended up dying before it was done so like i don't this is that's not really something i really hold against the movie
0: in a way yeah so uh i didn't mention this at the top but there are two other writers um who did additional material they are jennifer Yee, mcdevitt and alice Wu. Mm. so there was some doctoring happening but i feel Mm. like i do see your point and i think I think maybe also the the time is a hindrance. Like, it's only an hour and a half. Yeah. You it get a little longer.
1: I think they could have. I could have stayed for more of that movie.
0: Like, another 20 minutes,
1: maybe? Yeah. Max? So that they can expand upon some characters and some relationships and give it some meat and depth. I would have been so down to do that. Again, hard to do that for small children. Um, but... Oh, Give right! They are the cap.
0: target audience.
1: <laughs> yeah, please cater cater it to us. Us, us adult men demand more story.
0: <laughs> uh, well, that was two. What was your third flat?
1: Gobi. There was no context for him and his existence, and his appearance, and his connection to like Chang'e was never explained or expounded well, upon. It was just like I worked for her. And I sang a song looks... that made her
0: sad, and yeah,
1: was... and then they hug at the end, and it's like, so they she does like know who he is, and like why does he's a glowworm, he doesn't really look like a glowworm, but I was reading about him, and apparently he's based off of a glowworm, which is like cool, but why is there nobody else that looks like him in this whole universe that they created, and also I just I found him more annoying than endearing. Like there were moments where I was like, okay, I like that. But most of the time I was like, whatever works about Doug, whatever works about donkey isn't working about Gobi. And I really want to like him, but he feels a little bit too convenient in some ways. It feels like they just sort of put everything that they needed to make the plot move forward into this one character and his little attributes with his color changing and the tongue and his and his connection to Chang'e and like the way that he pulled out the moon cake that had the gift in it. Like, I was like, I need more meat to this character to believe that he should be here and that he's not just a narrative pawn.
0: Well, cause we already have the animal best friend and that's Bungie. Right. And Gobi is supposed to be, I think also an animal best
1: friend kind of,
0: or creature best friend that can talk, but like we already have that slot filled. Mm-hmm. What are you? I, I see, I see your point. And I think, Hen, but I think Ken Jong did a, as an actor did. A oh great yeah. Job. Yeah. I
1: loved his voice work for it. Um, And, and I thought he, the character was quite funny and he sang and, and his song was kind of disappointing. <laughs> uh, I, I,
0: yeah, because yeah, while I'm listening to it, you have to get to the end in order to understand why he was kicked out. Because that's right. like when you're like, oh, okay, this is the sad part.
1: And but even like, then, it was kind of like, that was not enough that bad. Get, Like an exile for, what, didn't, didn't he say he was gone for like thousands of years or A something? A thousand
0: years, yeah. Okay, let's get to Sharps. Um, I have two. So, mm-hmm. oh I have 3 total, well 4, I added one. Uh so my first sharp is for the one aunt who throws doubt in the myth of Chunga. Mhm. At the at the beginning, I don't remember her name, but all of a sudden I was just like, you know what? You're right. Who says that she did all like it, it it's open to myths are open to interpretation and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I kind I was like, you know what? It's fascinating that you bring this up in an
1: yeah for movie. context. She says like, like the the we're the legend that we're given is that Chang'e accidentally took both immortality pills and had to like like was pulled onto the moon without her true love, and her true love died on Earth, and that's why she's so heartbroken. The this aunt is like. I don't think that she that was an accident. I think she was being greedy and malicious and didn't care about this man and took both immortality pills on purpose and left him.
0: And to uh, and for me, that kind of like brought like some sort of realism to this movie. Yeah, we're like we're we're obviously watching an animated movie where there's a talking glowworm. So great, but <laughs> but all of a sudden you're like hey, I've got a theory and this is my reading of the myth. And I was just like, you know what? I like you, Aunt.
1: Yeah, it made the stakes of meeting Chang'e and learning about all of this and getting the gift raised a whole lot. Like when she was really rude to Fei Fei at the very beginning of meeting her and you're like, oh, well, maybe she actually is a really selfish person. And then like, we're like, is this gift for her? Is she actually wanting like Ho-Yi to come back or is she going to use it for malicious purposes? Like we don't know. And opening up the possibility that she could, that it could all be a lie sort of looms throughout the entire movie and adds so much more intrigue to the ending when it's spoiler alert revealed that she really did love Ho-Yi and that was, and the truth is that it was an accident. They don't really explain how it happened specifically, but I didn't miss that. I don't think we needed that. Yeah.
0: We needed the next chapter, not like justification for what happened already. And that's to continue saying what we've been saying. That's parallel to Fei-Fei, Mm-hmm. where yeah. we saw what happened. We saw the cause. Now we need the effect where it's like, okay, you gotta remember your mom, but obviously your dad is going to find love or you need to, your mom left a void that you're going to fill eventually, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. Right. Um. My other sharp is Jade being a DJ. Cause I laughed uh-huh. my ass off when that happened.
1: <laughs> oh, I did love that.
0: And you know what? I want to add another sharp. I really liked the animation of this, this style, the, how they look In reality versus how they look in on the moon. Yeah. Because like, it's easy to do like little glowing dots or whatever, or moon pies or whatever they are. Jelly? Question mark?
1: But Yeah, the citizens.
0: Yeah, but like we see the biker chicks and we see the frogs and we see the city itself. And you're like, okay, this is really detailed and really... Really, it like
1: lots of tiny little things that made the world building happen, mm-hmm. which I will, it's part of my sharps as well. Well, this leads you to your sharps. Now. My sharps, um, Chong, in general. Yes, uh, such a good character, loved her whole arc, her costume design, obsessed the intrigue of her, maybe being bad, maybe being good ending up being a very complex character who's grieving and depressed. And I loved that. Um, and the way that they used her to world build where she, there's a moment where she breaks down and she cries and her tears are these baby citizens. And it's like, that's that just little thing tells you how this entire city came to be is she was pulled onto the moon. She's immortal. Now she has powers. She starts crying and then little like friends citizens start coming out of her eyes and she like builds a city out of that and like figures out how to make it work like so much story came from just that tiny little detail and other things in terms of like the way that she uses her powers the way that she like the security guards that she has like it it all was so intentional and so like i was just like yes world building tell me more um and even her size even like her size, because when she's the goddess, her
0: limbs are longer. Um, her she has legs for days, and then legs for
1: days.
0: That's I noticed that because I was just like, okay, now we're in an animated
1: movie. Because mm-hmm. like, go off Zendaya legs. Because
0: like, when we're in the real world, obviously they're going for like a little more realistic looking things with. The, mm-hmm. Like I said, there's special animated moments, ears out, mouth taking up half the face and everything. Yeah. But like when she's a goddess, she's super tall. And then all of a sudden when she is a human, she's like a regular proportionate size. It's more
1: like eye level, believable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, loved it. And she can fly. Girl can go off. (laughs) Step on me. (laughs) Step on me, Philippa Sue. Um. So loved that. My next sharp is the cultural depth of the movie um, and the way it was celebrated and the care and the attention that they gave to it without it being like preachy, without it being um, overwhelming or confusing, like it was a really just well-balanced approach to cultural representation, which made me really happy. Um, and then my last sharp is that the creators had a really great skill for visual comedy which is another reason why I liked Bungie is like cutting to specific people for facial expressions, um, like the way the dynamics and the way that like they animated Chin reacting to like um, uh, Chang'e's ping pong skills. Uh, I loved when Chin hit the wall the first time. He was like, "I can run through walls," and he runs and he slams into the wall, and then it cuts outside of the building. And there's just like this boom so and silence and then a pot like falls and breaks on the ground. Like they had a really great timing and like little visuals that just worked really well. I loved when I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know if it was intended to be funny, but I liked the the moment of when she's rocketing into space and then the skin just like explodes off of yes. the rocket. And it goes from looking like a bunny to looking like a rock. Bucket. I was like, ha ha! Oh my god! That was a... Um,
0: yes. I I also want to add one last sharp That they have one cast for this movie. Like, you are cast as this act, this character. You're gonna sing too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Because like, like, it's so easy for animated movies to be like, okay, you're the speaking role, you're the singing role, go. But right. no, they're like, Philippa Sue, you are Chunga.
1: And she Yet. voiced that so well, I'm sorry. I just I love me some Philippa Sue. I love me some Amelie. I love me some Eliza, and the her little vocal affectations when we first meet her that like are just enough to make you understand why Fei Fei isn't quite put off by her attitude and her rudeness because there's still something very exciting and almost nice about what she's saying and how she's saying it and uh like her little like she she did eye rolls with her voice and um at the same time like her comments feeling very biting and subtle and i was like i can tell that she voiced this and then the animators heard all of her little touches to the line reading and added that onto the face of the character like it was it was so specific and it matched so well. And I was like, yes, do the work. <laughs> Anyways, obsession, oh, done. Went over.
0: <laughs> but uh, but also like uh, Kathy a- Ang, uh, John Cho, Ruthie and Miles, like all
1: of mm-hmm. them. They were great voice actors.
0: And I believe Robert G. Chu also. I'm not seeing a singing voice for anybody. So yeah. I think they all... I think everyone had to do it. That's so cool.
1: <laughs> I love when they don't
0: Oh! Over-edit the voice. I'm looking at this. I think we have, we do get the Wizard of Oz, the friends were in there. Because I'm seeing Margaret Cho, Kimiko Glenn, and Art Butler played Ants and uncle, and an uncle, and then they have other characters, and I believe they're the chickens.
1: Those are the chickens. Oh, that's amazing! And Camigo
0: Glenn is one of them. Yes, Gretch Lulu, Gretch Lulu, and Bill. I believe those are the chickens.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because (laughs) Gretch Lulu and Bill, those are their names. That's hilarious. Yeah, Bill. Bill. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. And I feel like they also got
0: Asian actors to voice all the roles. I'm not, yeah, kidding. except for Glenn Keane. But Glenn Keane, the director, is a uh, space dog and rail worker number
1: three. <laughs> <laughs> See, so. another reason to love the way that this movie was put together. Yeah, intentionality is so there. Yeah, it's
0: majority, if not all. No, no, there's, I think there is one other white guy I'm seeing as additional voices. But oh, the, yeah. The
1: principal cast.
0: Principal cast. I, I It looks like they got uh, all Asian actors. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. So good. Uh, would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? I think we've already answered this.
1: I have been listening to Ultraluminary often since 2020. It's a little Bob.
0: Yeah, I think I would add that one, and that's really it. Because like no. that's the, that's the only one that feels like a song. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like I'm speaking plot or I'm singing plot or or my subtext or something. It's like you can listen to this outside of this of watching the movie.
1: Agreed.
0: Well, Caden, we did. Well, it.
1: John, we did. We it. did it. We did over the movie. most. Well, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to plug or promote? TikTok. I'm the musical dealer on TikTok. I make recommendations uh and try to uplift little baby shows and productions that need little support, need a cult following. Um so find me on there. I mean, I also talk about mainstream stuff, but like my priority is uh trying to uplift Did you uh, cover the hidden this? gems. Um, I haven't covered it because I mostly don't talk about movies on there. Um, I don't have expertise on a lot of things that go into filmmaking and production and quality. And I don't keep up with the Oscars. I don't like so it feels a little bit outside of my realm of expertise and i think there's a lot of people who talk about movies themselves and not enough people who talk about stage work what movies
0: what What? i don't know what you're talking about
1: (laughs) so i i've always been like i'm gonna leave that to other people for the most part i sometimes talk about movies i talked about the west side story movie i talked about matilda um and i might do one about over the moon now that we've done this like after this is released i'll probably be like hey y'all listen to this podcast and watch this movie it's great uh
0: and if you have well kid and i asked a couple of questions throughout this that we would like answered uh especially cultural questions that yeah we have. if you have any great m- material or if you yourself know of a of uh stuff that we've missed or that we should have talked more about you can reach out to me you can email me at buddhasongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok at buddhasongpod. you know what i know how kaden heard about this and then obviously i heard about it through him but i'd like to hear how you heard about this movie because netflix i feel like failed on an advertising front for this one (laughs)
1: Really, really didn't push this movie no
0: this Oscar nominated movie. Yeah. That they didn't talk about. Uh, and if you want to be part of the next episodes conversation, we are uh, this will be a, our last second chance theater for a while. It, and we will be recovering the last five years. Ooh. Yes. Love me some Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan. Uh, hey. Kaden, Thank you so much for coming back on. You'll be back. You'll be back. <laughs> I would
1: love to be back.
0: And bye for now, everyone! Bye! Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork, and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.